I was kind of surprised how well the story stood alone without the tack. Uh, what to we'll have to disagree on that about that? I mean, you know, clearly the, the the whole network internet thing is the basis of the plot is the base plot device. Well, exactly. let's save that part of the conversation for the actual show. Welcome to the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Ken Mink. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. We are here to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're not. We're talking about Hollywood OS, or the inability of Hollywood and kind of major media in the U.S. to portray technology correctly in movies. Friends, we enjoy podcasting because we're passionate about computers and sharing the experience of running systems at scale with the next generation. Would you help us fulfill our mission and consider sponsoring the Practical Operations Podcast and offering feedback? Contact us at feedback at operations.fm. So we have been in tech for a while and Hollywood's been making movies about tech for much longer than that. And there are so many examples of the way they just get it wrong, like fundamentally completely wrong. And the four of us like movies and really kind of had an idea of like, hey, we should talk about the movies. We should talk about the way these things get kind of blown out of proportion or misused. And that's what today is. Now, how the movies don't represent reality at all. Yeah. And, and how like colossally wrong they get them. We are not talking about science fiction. So the expanse gets a lot of things about physics wrong, but it's science fiction where nobody's pretending that it's real. Nobody's pretending that that's how computers actually work or whatever actually happens. We're talking about things like hackers or the net or swordfish that purport to portray technology correctly and don't. Don't. Or even television shows like NCIS. <laughs> one of the bad ones. No. Oh. Didn't even think oh. about going there, but yeah, that would be. Well, actually, that's too much. Two hackers, one keyboard. Well, I mean, I just, I still. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I can't stand that that scene. I think we've all seen it where they have, you know, one of the characters starts typing. And they're like, oh, we got to block them on the firewall or whatever. And then they all start typing on the, key, on the same, same keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> and it's, uh, uh. I remember doing that, but that was in a game on that was, you know, you two people were running by hitting two keys each and making their guys run. Don't think it ever worked right. the other way. I mean. I'm not even going to try to break it down because it's just stupid. I mean, like, how 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 can you <laughs> form w- w- commands, words, phrases when multiple people are typing? You j- you just can't. Uh, anyway, when you when your wife's like filling out some form, you don't reach over her shoulders and start typing with her. That doesn't. Help. <laughs> it doesn't. Get That's you how you kicked. get smacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this week we have decided to dig into the 1994 film The Net, starring Sandra Bullock and Dennis Miller and a bunch of other other folks that may be interesting in retrospect, considering recent events in the world, unfortunately. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And we are not necessarily looking at it in terms of how good of a movie or good of a story it is, although we'll get to that. We're more focused on the tech and how egregiously stupidly badly they did it because there's some real doozies in this movie with that said i think i'm just going to start walking through the plot and y'all jump in whenever right yeah that sounds like a good plan so first impression 
wow, this is Sandra Bullock movie. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, and a young I Sandra Bullock too. Heading into tech because in the opening scene with the secretary of whatever I can't even remember what he was, when he's talking to his son right before he blows his brains out, he says, "You, you know, you do your homework. You can have time with your Sega and your Nintendo." And right there, they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna. It, there's gonna be tech in this because we're talking about game consoles already." Yeah, and, and I was on the lookout for tech, so I was paying attention at that point. So yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. I don't know, but it just struck me as wow, they're bringing it up it right in the opening scene before the credits. Also, that cell phone he has is like the size of a phone book. Well, I mean, not a phone book, but it was it was large. And it's like yeah, that that was state of the art. The cell time, phones I guess. in tech movies are always what what make me giggle. Because, you know, that was cool in the 90s. And today I'm just kind of laughing at that shoebox he's holding in his face. Yeah. yeah. So that's, the, that's the easy way to date movies is by looking at the cell phones that people are carrying because that's always of the time. Yeah. They, they always use the, the newest thing they can find. You, like, even in modern or quote, more modern movies, you can figure out what year like a screen movie was made by which kind of iPhone is being you know thrown around. <laughs> anyway. Yep. So the man blows his brains out like on at a, at a picnic table and we cut to where we did like there's an aerial shot of a of a nice house somewhere looking through the skylight and there's this huge array of computers in the room and this is um angela bennett's house said played by sandra bullock and she is a computer systems analyst living in los angeles and it was interesting in a nostalgic kind of way to see all of that apple hardware on her desk um there's an How Apple. How much or, did Apple pay for that placement? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's an the Apple ergonomic extended keyboard that Apple only sold for like ten months was on on her desk, I and I have one of those. That. Yeah, um, you know, even I'll say that's a good keyboard. Oh, it's a nice keyboard. It was a good keyboard. Um, it had the, the the slightly inferior Alp switches, but it's still a good keyboard. Um, <laughs> but she also had a Model M on her desk, Model M keyboard. And a bunch of other various computer systems. I didn't catalog all of them, but that's what stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting, uh, again, uh, you know, from the start or at, at the start when we first see this character, it's the typical, you know, loner, programmer, hacker. She's ordering pizza online, uh, which that UI for or the or air quote website, which it looks like it's more like a UI of a specific app. But anyway, you know, she's ordering pizza. She's playing video games. Uh, it's just a typical what people Chat thought online. Of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she was debugging some virus from a coworker from an you know wherever with ResEdit, which is a program that I used to use a lot. And a lot of the yep. the screens in that were completely inaccurate. But to me, the thing that stood out is like the most fantastical thing so far is that somebody sent her a floppy disk from an office and she put it into her Mac and it worked. Like, in the 1994, <laughs> right. that was right. the biggest problem being a Mac user is that you couldn't talk to anybody. So, yeah, that, that he stuck was out Mac like a sore Well, not only that. Sure. She, Apple paid for both you know, of she's them. Supposedly, she's supposedly some security expert and she's plugging into her main computer. Yeah. No, no, you know, nothing to segregate it from anything else not like a, 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 a an air gap system just no I'm just gonna plug it in my machine I not making backups some slack on that because she's that's what she's getting from him she's expecting a an infected disc because that's what he sends her because that's what they do and so 
she's putting it into whatever system she's expecting to to debug a virus on and so uh, true i i didn't jump at that because i just assumed this is what i do with these is he sends them to me and i stick them in this machine start working on them but but then the next like two minutes of dialogue as she's talking to him on the phone was just (laughs) i they were just throwing words out you know like subnet or i uh, yeah it was i just couldn't it was it was it was bad i think cringeworthy would be the uh yes and i will say that i thought sandra bullock's performance was actually pretty good um she obviously didn't know the tech part of it but she played the character believably she was convincing on screen all of those things this is again not Sandra Bullock's a good actress. Yeah, and we're yeah, not. I mean, I mean, but yeah, but I have the biggest problem with the movie. Kind of in these opening scenes, uh, Sandra Bullock isn't the stereotypical computer hacker. So, and I found some juxtaposition of: Are they trying to put you know a, a strong female role model in what would is traditionally male dominated world, or are they trying to play the the innocent female that doesn't know what she's doing and is a damsel in distress. And I really kind of got some of both out of the movie. And, but to me, what I took you know, that opening sort of setup was as setting Sandra Bullock up as a sort of computer genius, brilliant hacker type of person um, who does this stuff because they love it. Um, but that's not always how the movie portrayed her, which no, but got me. She but. did sell that role pretty well. And I, I appreciated her ability to kind of own that, especially in the beginning of the movie and act in it. I, I liked that. Um, so she talks to her boss and her boss is like, hey, I've got this, this crazy stuff. I really need you to come into whatever, but I'm going to come down in my private plane. I think it was a Cessna something or another. And I'm going to you know, basically come down and see you. Yeah. And the next extraordinarily amusing she was going to fly out to vacation and he was going to meet her before she flew out but he's flying in his little cessna and this is in 94 so i don't know if they had gps you know as accurate as we have my note was were private flight instruments networked in 1995 because i don't think so and i believe that it was clinton in 98 he even said he was approaching and when he's on the on the radio, talking with the tower about, uh, what, uh, IF, oh, what is it? Uh, IFR, yeah, which is visual. Um, it's oh crap! I'm it, instrument flight rules. Yeah. like basically get a flight fly yeah. about the instruments versus sight. in that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it was 98 that Clinton um, reduced the error they were putting into the commercially available GPS clocks. So it went from being, you know, hundreds of yards to, you know, fives or tens of feet, essentially. But the idea of somebody doing either GPS um, signal clock tracking or hacking or any of those other things, or like obviously network stuff didn't exist at that point in terms of flight computer controls. Yeah. To have him suddenly pop out into, what was that, like a, a grain silo or a water tower? I didn't quite catch what he was crashing I, into. I couldn't tell what they, they were, towers Yeah, I thought it was kind. a water tower. But yeah. he bought the farm. He he crashes his plane and there's a huge fireball because it's Hollywood. And that's, I guess, fine. But it moves the plot along nicely. And that's kind of the important thing. Um, of course, Sondra doesn't, and doesn't realize this. And it uses the theme of every time you look at a digital device, a screen, can you trust that information? Yeah, but yeah, I didn't quite get that 
that didn't quite carry over the first time for me uh, because you know this, this it's a Cessna plane that's not an internet connected device. Yeah, when everything else in the movie that was connected to the internet was doing it through dial-up. <laughs> yeah, I, I got some more problems with the internet connectivity stuff in a little bit, but we'll we'll get to that when she gets to the beach. But in the mornings, she gets called by essentially another coworker who's like, "I really need you to come into the office after your vacation because." And she has no idea that her her coworker, her colleague, has died. Um, they're essentially saying, "When you get back from wherever in Mexico you're going for vacation, um, we want you to come into the office." And I actually, I, I give I give her employer a whole lot of points for not trying to push her into canceling her vacation, which is I think what would happen now. But you know, I <laughs> or telling her to take the sat phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she heads off to Mexico, and it is a beautiful beach. Like, I really was kind of jealous sitting here in my house going, I, I wish I was... was Cancun? I think it was Cancun. That sounds right. Or no, Cozumel. Yeah, um, it was. was in, in my notes. Well, uh, they're next door to each other, so... Um, but, like, she's drinking tasty drinks, and she's sitting on the beach, and the beaches are beautiful. And she runs into Jack Devlin, um, an Englishman who is very suave and... The next huge technical problem I have is she's sitting there on the beach with her laptop. It's a PowerBook 100. And she's on the internet doing work somehow. And I'm like... Well, was she, no, was I don't, she really I don't on the take internet, it though, she was she on did, the internet. I didn't... Yeah, she she did mention uh, to the guy. She was like, I, you know, do you think about trying to get internet yeah. access? You so know. I think she was working local. Okay, I had I, I read that scene as she was working online. I guess I'm, I'm so poisoned by that now with today's culture. <laughs> But I was like, there's no way. Although, I mean, to be fair. Like, where's the, where's the, I, I, the cell I mean, phone or the fair, modem or whatever? She be working on? Exactly. Yeah. Right. They, she did say during the conversation with the other guy about that they were looking, you know, that they think about finding modem access. So I really took it. She was, she was working locally, not online. That's fair. Um, and back in the day, most of our listeners won't realize this, but back in the day, a lot of folks use laptops to work on local documents and then when you got back to the office, you would then put them on the network. So that is not yep. a fantasy. That is actually what people used to do back when we didn't have internet on all the time. Um, but moving along. So they're on the beach and she gets mugged. And it's a very ham-fisted mugging. <laughs> yeah. And uh, You've seen the person previously yeah, in they the had movie. Showed the, so the you know it's a setup. Yeah, you knew it was coming or you knew something was coming with this guy. Yeah, so, so Jack runs off um, after the mugger into the bushes and the mugger's standing there like going through her purse trying to find the floppy disk. And I'm thinking, in my notes I have, so what tech professional in that day and age just put like a floppy disk into their wallet and didn't put it into some kind of protective sleeve to protect against static or whatever else? I mean, I guess it happened, but it was... Or I, why was... She's going to the beach. Why did she have it in with the first place? salty air. Right. Yeah. If she's a, t a professional or she knows, you know, knows this stuff, why would she bring it to the beach and allow that air to destroy that disc? Yeah. Also, later in the movie, there's a discussion about there's no backups or whatever, and that turns out to be true to the plot. So you bring the only copy of something important with you to the beach on vacation, and you don't make a copy and leave it at home or make a copy and leave it somewhere else? Or, hmm, something seems a little bit... Actually, don't even use a disc caddy. Yeah. Didn't she make a copy and send it to the guy who deceased? No, that she was a somebody, different virus she, she had first. Oh, that was a different yeah. virus. Okay. She he, uses that he later, sent but her 
Yeah. Yes, that was a nasty escape key virus. Right. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, and that's yeah. I, I, f- I forgot to bring that one up. That was the thing, right? Like you press one one keystroke. It was back when we first we were introduced to the character, and she was testing this thing yep. out. And she pressed one keystroke, and it destroyed her computer or program, and she called it a virus. I mean, yeah, a little uh, thin. Um, but he, yeah, he gets the the purse back. Uh, Jack does, and then shoots the mugger with a silenced pistol, and then you know comes back to. Her and it's like, oh, you know, whatever. Or sorry, th- throws, the, throws the purse off into the woods and then comes back. It's like, I didn't find anything. And he cuts his hand. So it looks like he got into a fight with the mugger. Um, but he's pocketed the disc and her passport and stuff. Tossed her purse. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I couldn't find your stuff. Sorry. No, I'll get, take you on my yacht and we'll go and we'll call the Coast Guard. Yeah. And in the morning, you can go figure go to the embassy and figure out what, what you need to do. And he's got a pretty decent yacht. Um, it is a little weird that he's towing what looks like a life raft behind it or a Zodiac, um, which was, yeah. Why? Well, yeah. I, do you want to call that a decent yacht in this day and that's age? I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a nice, that's a nice boat. Yeah, well, in 94, 30 years ago. Okay. Um, and then but my biggest thing was who tows their life boat emergency vehicle behind their yacht? I mean, I've been on a duck boat touring Boston with Jared, and there was no tow behind emergency vehicle, and that was a duck boat. Well, that's not really an emergency vehicle. It's because the typically with those kind of boats, you're going up and down around like well, around here it would be up and down rivers or up and down the the intercoastal waterway on the east coast, and then sometimes you'll want to get to land, and you'll take the little boat or a little dinghy or whatever right. and you'll, get. You'll be to places land, where so. you can't bring it as close to shore as you want, and that's how you get to shore. So I wonder right. if the script and was the originally written with it. a bigger a bigger main boat, and that was like the access boat. The this is how we get from shore to the yacht, but with a boat again that size, right. it doesn't really work. Anyway, it could have been you know envisioned a bigger yacht, and they cut the yacht due to expense or something. Essentially, it's a it's maybe. a convenient plot device that they're going to need in a couple of minutes because he gets up onto uh-huh. the boat and he's like he takes the gun out of his pocket and he's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and they're having a glass of wine and talking about like, who was a, that was a crazy day. Um, then they get busy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Jack decides he's going to kill her and then they do other things instead. <laughs> and then Sandra's character finds the handgun with the silencer in his pocket. Yeah, because she put it on his jacket or something. She realizes that something is up. Yeah, it was in his jacket and she put it on to get warm and found it. And no clues to me here were she knew enough to disassemble the weapon or take the clip out. She knew enough to make some comments about the the gun to impress Jack, to tell Jack that she knew what was going on. And there was some creepy stuff that he dropped about like knowing kind of where she grew up or like accents or something. And there was a reference in there, a throwaway line about, you know, essentially growing up in the middle of nowhere and, and guns or whatever. So they're, they were trying to work that in and not have it be completely ridiculous, but it was kind of thin. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Why did she unload it instead of leaving it loaded so that it, she could use it if she was concerned about him enough? Because finding that in his pocket would have concerned me. I would have left it loaded and then held it properly as protection for myself <laughs> instead of well, also, with it on my lap where he can just grab it and for yep. me this is a frustration um 
I've not fired a lot of guns in my life, but one of the things that's really obvious is when the clip isn't in the gun at all. Like it's really clear the way the the, the, the bottom of the buttstock handles, and it's like, oh, when you pick up a weapon and there isn't a clip in it, it's really clear immediately. And he doesn't also notice at all. A lot less. Yeah. Yeah. That I was I was going to mention because even even back earlier we talked about the silence the scene where he shot the guy with the silencer. I I, I mean this is more of a general, uh, you know, movies in general trope. But silencers aren't air quote silent. It's not like you can't hear the gun. You it's still fairly loud. It's just not as loud. Yeah. And the fact that he shot it and she didn't even hear it that's that's one red flag. And then like you mentioned, not having a clip in, uh, you know, he would have noticed that. He was supposedly um, a a contract for hire, experienced hitman. Exactly. He's going to notice. Not to mention. He one time he put the clip back in He's and going he, to his weapons. Yeah, he uh, when he when he first put the the gun in his jacket, he put the clip in. He didn't rack. Uh, go ahead and load around in the chamber, which, in my opinion, if he's a trained killer, you would think he would do that because then he doesn't have to sit there and take waste a second to rack it. So anyway, well, well rack, there's the racking, bit, and then there's the bit that proceed or that immediately follows this that really you know, try to focus on the tech a bit really just made my brain explode. Because, you know, mid-90s, 20-year-old computer genius, uh, radio is still a big part of, of how you know, the radio community Absolutely. is transitioning into the IT community. Oh, yeah. And Sandra Any picks up the CB on the boat and can't freaker. work it. Yep. And just randomly pushes buttons like a damsel in distress. And, or, well, there, uh, was, or even the, there was the earlier the excuse bit the about, guy gave yeah. her. Yeah, where he was like, where, she was like, where are we going? He's like, well, we got to head out so the radio will work. And it's like, what do you mean you got to head away for the radio to work? Yeah, let's get the transmitter okay, further from the receiver device. so it Come works on. better. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a VHF, unidirectional, low power. It, it doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. Um. I will say during that scene, to their credit, how many scenes have we seen where somebody gets clocked in the head with a wine bottle, it shatters and they keep standing? Because she clocked him with a bottle, yeah, yeah. and he went down like a sack of taters. That was pretty good. Which is exactly what really would happen. Because wine bottles so, are exactly. thick and hurt. So somebody who has experience with firearms, as she obviously does, who is bright in the sense of being able to operate computers at a level of mastery above the general public. Somebody is trying to kill you. They have a firearm. You have knocked them out. They're, they're unconscious. You either, at that point, permanently disable them, either kill them or maim them in some way, or you sink their boat. You don't, like, I'm just going to leave this person who's been trying to kill me on an active working boat, and I'm going to leave. No, 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 you you disable their ability to keep coming after you? Anyway, sorry, I'm getting back into the movie again and not the tech. (sighs) (laughs) But... She gets into the the little the Zodiac, the life raft, whatever it is. It's got a motor on it, so I think it's a Zodiac. And she's trying to escape and is not paying attention to where she's going. It's night, crashes into rocks, and wakes up in a hospital a couple of days later. And she's all out of it and kind of disoriented. And the floppy disk that has all the stuff on it. I feel like there were some cut scenes there. Watching that, that was jarring. There, ha- I think there were some cut scenes. Because I was like, what the hell just happened? She's, you know, I, I saw it, but still it was like lightning fast. She's from chasing on the ocean to waking up in a hospital bed. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, did the guy not go after her and then find the, I, yeah. I, anyway. he was waking up when she took off. 
he she didn't get that far. It seemed it was seconds when she ran into the rocks. Right. I I I think there had to have been some cutscenes. Yeah. And my last note for the sequence is floppies aren't waterproof, are they? And then I dug up a post from a I'll, I'll put it in the show notes <laughs> from a mailing list in like '96 about essentially no floppies are not waterproof. They scratch easily. They degrade easily. If you have a water a floppy that's gotten wet, you know, be really careful. Try to disassemble it. Put it into a different housing, like that kind of stuff. So essentially, the disc is already ruined at this point. Um, I thought they were going to try to recover it. Which thought, like, they showed. And then they showed, like, yeah, it's, essentially it's toast. There's no way to get this thing back. And I was glad that they didn't try to, like, double down on that bit. And no, they they admitted that, okay, it, it's it's gone. So that was good. Anyway, she wakes up in the hospital, and she's trying to put her life back together. And she gets out of the hospital. She goes back to the hotel. And they're like, oh, you checked out a couple days ago. And essentially, her life has now been erased. Again, this is fear-mongering to the, to the boomer generation, saying, anybody with a computer can, can ruin your life in a couple of keystrokes. So, like... Yeah, that was the theme we saw constantly through this movie, yeah. right? Which was, you know, everything's on computers nowadays. Therefore, the, somebody who knows a little bit about computers can just destroy your life, which... Granted, I mean, in broad strokes, that is technically correct, but it takes, I mean, for the amount of stuff that happened to her, because we'll get to the things that happen later, there's a lot of vulnerabilities that would actually have to be used to do all the different things. Oh, no, 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 because we haven't hit it, but the gatekeeper software software protects everything now, but it it's actually just a back door. So well, now true. they have access to everything because everybody's using it. Anyway, so she goes to the embassy and is trying to get her passport, and they're like, um, no, but you're Ruth Marks, right? And she's like, I don't know who you're talking about. They're like, here, like, sign here, you're Ruth Marks, here's the social security number, here's your address, and everything looks right except for the fact that it's not her name. And she figures that it's her only ticket back to the U.S., so she signs, she gets her temporary passport, which I don't think is even a thing, but whatever, um, heads back to the U.S. and discovers her house is being sold, everything's been cleaned out and gotten rid of. Her neighbors have no idea who she is because she's a shut-in and she's a she's this computer person who never talks to the real world and they're trying to play up that that trope again, which is, again, kind of ridiculous. And then dude sitting in the car, hacks into the computer database, changes pictures and things on the fly over a, what, a 3200 baud, you know, radio signal kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Cell modium? Yeah, come on. And none of the... Yeah, he, he, gives, her, he gives her character priors because he knows they, the police get called to the house. And so as they're going out to run to look up if she has any priors, he's in the car edit, you know, adding them. And it's like, why wouldn't you, you know, if you're well-planned, why wouldn't you do that before? Because what happens if, you know, your connection drops or I don't know, the database is let, let's, let's say, you know, we're now in the yeah, future. The database is detailed. not, uh, you know, it, t- it takes a while for it to get to uh, your changes to sync. Uh, you know, I mean, but again, it's this constant theme of stolen identity, yeah, which is something that's not out of place today, but the no. degree to which it was fantasized was a little, yeah. But the guy sitting out in the car while the cops getting ready to run up her thing, he's like, oh, "I'm going to add a uh, larceny or whatever the, the you know uh, uh, prostitution, drug use, you know, get just- my old back phone back." Yeah. Yeah, so she she steals the cell phone from the real estate agent who's trying to sell the, her house to whoever, um, and then calls up work. She calls up her like her desk at work, and somebody answers the phone pretending to be her, and she's 
obviously a little upset by this. And the person on the other end of the phone says, essentially, um, I'll give you your old life back if you give me the disc. And this disc is essentially going to be the MacGuffin for the rest of the movie, where it is the everything for the the proof that this software exists, that this virus, the scapekeeper thing is actually a, a backdoor instead of being a security system and all of the other bits. Um, I took that disc as essentially a key to access the gatekeeper software and they had to account for all of their entry keys ish. That's the only way my brain could sort of make sense of. Yeah. It's obvious the disc has been destroyed. How is this disc still valuable? You're applying logic to something that isn't logical. (laughs) That that was my thought on it. I, I didn't understand why they wanted this disc so bad. Maybe it was evidence of some kind, but okay, I don't know. But I I actually do agree with you, Jack, because, I mean, that's the only way this does make sense is that it's essentially a key and, you know, it's, it's almost like an MFA token to a, to a degree or, or whatever, and it allows you access in. And so, therefore, they need to make sure they have it else you can get in. So actually, I have, I have another note before she, she finds the other, her next person. Um, there appeared to be a gun store there was also a porn store. There was also a fishing supply store. Like the, the signs in the window suggested all three things. <laughs> and I mean, it is LA, but it seemed a little bit much, even for 94. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I in this that. whole... Well, and, and also... It, it was great. Oh, go ahead. Um, in, in this whole sequence of like, she's running from the police and she's running from Jack Devlin and she's trying to find these things. At one point, they have like, with absolute specificity, what street corner she is standing on. And then, like, 10 seconds later in the movie, they're trying to figure out how to do, like, complicated tracings to bisect the signal to figure out where the cell phone is between the towers. And it's like, hang on, you just you just had, like, yeah. a precise street location, yeah. and now you're trying to throw some, like, telephony techno jargon at us. They give an address at and one by point. by this time, she's handed off the cell phone, and the new guy, with the homeless guy with the cell phone is walking past the police car. Yeah. 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 You, well, you, you hear what sounds like DTMF tones being, pl- or some sort of pulsing sound being played. And that's apparently them tracing the call. And the guy's like, can you triangulate it? And, and all this stuff. And then actually, I can't remember if this was during that call or later. They, they actually, in one of their Hollywood UIs, they tell net to an IP address. Yeah. I mean, to a, and, and I don't, I can't remember if email that was address. them trying to track whatever, but. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Tell email, address. email address. Tell me, tell not to an email address, and I was just screaming at the screen at that point because it looked. Yeah, it was cool. It looked plausible. Later on, there's a really awesome version of Who Is that I wish I had. But anyway, oh, no um, oh absolutely, I want that Who Is. Well, all right. So here's where I can show my age. Originally, it wasn't called Who Is, but it was called Finger, and you could. <laughs> And yeah, let's let's get all those out of your out of the way. But you could ask what a who was who was assigned a user ID on a system, any system connected to the internet, basically would respond and give you the information out of Etsy password about who that was if it was populated. And their finger file. Don't forget the finger file. Yeah, that so it now it by ninety five it was long gone, but it, right. it was just a touch insecure <laughs> a little bit, but it did used to exist and was functional. So I started my uh, my career in the Unix and Linux environments uh, shortly after this movie came out, 
And by that point, people were jokingly referring to the physical address location in either the finger file or Etsy password as the ICBM address, because it was the, that's where you send the nuke that like, you now know where that person actually is and let's not do that. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. So Angela decides to call up the one person that knows her like in person, the one person that actually could identify her from like from her face, from a visual impression who is her old psychiatrist that she had an affair with, which is super uncomfortable <laughs> and is played by Dennis Miller, which is even more uncomfortable in some ways. Um, when he, when he popped in the door, I was like, is that Dennis Miller? Yes. I just, yeah. I completely forgot that he was yeah, in the movie. And when he popped in, <laughs> I just was like, this it's is a awesome. perfect person for that role. I'm glad to see him die. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wish I could say I disagreed. I mean, he was offering her Seldane, which I wasn't, I didn't actually look up what it was, but I'm like, is he trying to roofie her? Like, is, is this like, <laughs> is he being even more creepy? And yeah, I think it started out that way. And then he actually started believing her. I looked it up. Seldane is an antihistamine that was pulled from the market in 98. So it was a real drug. It was not a, <laughs> um, a date rape kind of thing, but he, he always gave me creepy vibes and, this movie is no different. Um, what well, he definitely was abusing drugs, oh, uh, yeah. prescription drugs. So I'm I'm wondering if even if it wasn't antihistamine, it, it, if used improperly, it would give you some sort of high or possibly knock you out or something. I mean, he was sleeping with one of his patients. He wasn't on the up and up, no matter what was going on. <laughs> yeah, right. he wasn't ethical. Yeah. So not, I don't have not high on his list. I, I don't have. Uh, Good notes on this, but he had asked, she had asked him to bring the laptop or the computer that he had left that she had left with him. So he brings her a laptop. So she has a computer again, and I'm not sure where she gets access again to the the network to um, this gatekeeper thing. But there's some really bad UI in here, like Telnet having a full screen GUI. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I that in my yeah. notes, Telneting in a GUI. It seemed to do. It was magic. Yeah, like I think didn't she remote into work her work, and that's where the Mozart app was or whatever. Yeah, she logged into work and then somehow gets to the gatekeeper stuff, yeah. and that's kind of unclear. Yeah. Maybe uh, her place of work uses gatekeeper as their security perimeter, but I'm vague. But she's also got like live updating maps, which was a fantasy at the time, like an absolute fantasy. <laughs> um, there is the standard, like, here's an yeah. IP address that has a number that does not fit within the octet ranges. And I know they do that yes. because it's kind of like <laughs> having the 555 cell telephone numbers. You don't want to, like, accidentally route people to a real... real IP address, so we'll put an invalid octet in it. Yeah, but... Eh. Um, but she hops onto chat, and the chat is so laughably bad. But whatever, she hops into chat, and she's using who is... or. Is it using who is? No, that's later. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. She, she uses yeah. who is because she uses yeah, she's who is to the get the guys. In the chat to see who everybody yeah. is. Because your hackers are, you know, always put their full information in. You can always tell right. a hacker location, by the finger file. Name, yeah. age. Yeah. Um, but the this hacker that is warning her about the, the criminal conspiracy group, the Praetorians, um, is wants to meet in real life, you know, somewhere away from people to, cause these people are like, cause the hackers are like, look, these, these, these criminals are super dangerous. They're, 
really bad news. They're going to, and I think his name is like Cyber Bob, which was yeah. Bob Fox. Yeah. Well, oh, that was yeah. the, wasn't it? That well, was it was a, the real, the, yeah. the username, the handle was, was Cyber Bob. Yeah. Cyber, Cyber Bob. Bob. Which was just laughably. Anyway. Um, it's and 95. then Come on. But, there was Microsoft Bob. Come on. But then what happened oh, God, that, blew, that frustrated me was her connection drops. And especially in 94, TCP timeouts were lengthy. Modem retries were a thing. Like, you, you didn't go from connected and working to it just doesn't work. It's things just sort of stalled and took a while before you got the pop-up that said, hey, you know, things are, are borked. And this just went immediate to, nope, we're just done. It's like, no, that's actually not yep. at all how any of that works. But anyway. But it did throw up a Mac TCP error when it did it. Yes. And I don't think that laptop was a Mac. I thought it was a Well, the UI was definitely was a was it I, I It might have been a PowerBook. I, I can't remember. It was mostly PowerBook. But it was a legit error. error or a, Yeah. It, it it was a real it was a real like dialogue in Mac OS at the time. So right. you could have a program exactly. printed dialogue that looked like that and it would not be out of whatever. Um So she goes to meet with Cyberbob, and who shows up but Jack Devlin, um, who's also taken the time to also go look up who Cyberbob is, go to his house. They didn't Does show he it, but maybe a cutscene. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's yeah. very it was much implied, implied. That, he, that Jack killed Bob. Right. And it was implied that Jack was well aware of everything that that the Sandra Bullock character did on her laptop in the hotel room. Yep. Yeah, which to be fair is somewhat accurate because they probably didn't have. I mean, well, she if she was using a VPN, I mean, it was probably what PPTP. I mean, <laughs> why why am I even going down this? Yeah, the movie would not have been valid if you just had a VPN. I know. <laughs> and VPNs weren't even like back then. People still just used Telnet exposed on the internet generally yes. because right. security wasn't wasn't really a thing yet. And that's the reason I was saying, like, that's somewhat legitimate, although he would have to most likely have tapped into her, it, it, know her ISP and tapped in somewhere and, you know, found her connection and, if he and dumped was in her the middle, packets. He could have easily right. If he was the in the middle, he could have seen it. To get there would have taken but some again, But for a Hollywood writer to actually understand... He was working for the but, gatekeeper. But was her company, gatekeeper was her company using Gatekeeper yet? I don't think hers No, but was. everybody else was. So somebody uh, that the was line. the plot device that I took that she remoted into work. It looked like Gatekeeper was being used there. Then she does all the chat and looks up everybody. So clearly they had access to her computer. That was how my brain assembled that. Well, also they had the they had her replacement person already working like in her stead because nobody in the office knows what she looks like. So at that point, either they've they've employed Gatekeeper directly, or this the plant who's pretending to be Angela has installed it surreptitiously so i guess that does work um i actually had written down how did the fake angela who's a hired killer also then fake being a lead hacker right because two don't don't generally go together yeah she she wouldn't be able to keep up that facade for too long you just mouse around on the screen and, and click uh, uh shift control and you're fine <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, only fool, um, fools, Kentucky governors. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry. 
and again, at some point, I don't have the sequence exactly right, but she, she's in the, she's at, she's at the pier. And this is the first genuinely tense mo- part of the movie for me. Like she's, she's trying to escape from Jack. There's a carousel. There's all this stuff going on. And they actually played this fairly well for effect in terms of the angles and the lighting and the music. I enjoyed the sequence. This is one of the first, like actually genuinely, Hey, that was a well, well thought yeah. out, tense, fun, kind of like good sequence. Yeah. Yeah, the Carousel Fair sequence was freaking awesome. And I really have to give credit to uh, Angela Bennett, the character, as being sort of the the super smart genius that I believe her character to be. Because as she's trying to escape, she finds the uh, mascot purple bunny again and uses that to you know tackle uh, Jack. And I was rolling on the floor there. Because, you know, mascot hilarity. <laughs> so at some point in all of this... Notes. Yeah, it's fine. At some point in all of this, um, Dennis Miller's character, uh, Dr. Champion, I think, winds up in the hospital. Either there was a car... I don't... I'm, again, I'm not clear on this. I, I watched this a couple of days ago, and he, parts of this are... He, he got a prescription. Yeah. And it's the guy... You know, again, the comp- prescription comes from the computer because, you know, they're scanning barcodes. And... Yeah, I'm guessing the the hackers or whatever, they knew he was allergic to penicillin right. or antibiotics or, or yeah. whatever. And so they gave him that. And, and he didn't pay attention because even on the label, it did say, I think, erythromycin or whatever. And he wasn't paying attention to it and he took it. And that's what caused him to get, yeah, get he went put into the As they're driving away, he has the reaction. Yep. He well, gets to the yeah. hospital. To be fair, how many of us actually read, like, on the prescription that you Me. get regularly refilled and you only get the one? And you go and you pick it up, and they scan the thing and they hand it to you. Do you read the label on the bottle after you take it out of the bag? Like you read the receipt, but you don't. A lot of people I know don't like check every time when they're only taking one. No, but I now, do taking, notice if if the pills look different. Well, there is that. Um, and yeah. again, champion is the doctor. Champion is not the the best. <laughs> He's not the sharpest. Tool yeah. Again, he's with the other his patient. Where are we gonna go? Yeah. Again, it's stuff that came off on computer screen, so obviously it can be easily manipulated. So he goes to the hospital. Um, Angela follows. Angela gets there and is like, she's all freaking out that things are are terrible. And then the computer system again gets gets rerouted and treats him for insulin overdose or di- diabetic coma or something. And essentially, he gets murdered with insulin in the hospital, and she's all freaking out because the one person that knew her is she's now dead. She's throwing computer monitors around, so you know, go, 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 Angela yep. Bennett. Those things are heavy. Um, now, because when she was leaving, they're saying they were treating him for diabetes when she came in with him, and that was obviously not the case. Yeah, but I do have a, a, yeah, a bit of a, die. of a minor grudge for the CRT exploding stuff. Um, I've seen a number of those 13, 14 inch size, like colored CRTs from that vintage drop from five foot countertops onto concrete floors. And the case is a little cracked, but the monitor kept on working just fine. Like those things are built way, way stronger. Like just knocking one on the floor is not going to make it explode. And an exploding CRT is nasty. Like an exploding CRT is gets crap everywhere. Yeah. I have experience with this because I've thrown CRTs off of multiple story roofs before in an attempt to do this, and you are correct. It takes <laughs> some effort to actually bust one of those. Jared, there's things about your past life that I'm not sure you want to know about. <laughs> or that you should admit like, on, on air, but yeah. anyway. Um, 
doing it on purpose and couldn't make it explode, and she manages to do it, just knocking it off the counter. Yay, Hollywood. Yeah. But yeah, CRTs are actually fairly dangerous devices, and they were well encased in glass. So, you know, like a champagne bottle, you're not going to break that easily. Moving along, though, she takes Alan's car. I think it was Alan's car. and Yeah, that nice BMW. It was a 5 Series, a pretty decent one, too, and hops into it and is essentially trying to get out of town at this point because she knows that, you know, Jack and his buddies are all essentially trying to kill her at this point, and she's she's heading out, and the the car phone rings, which I found interesting and antiquated and delightful. I mean, it's a, it's a real piece of tech. These things actually existed. Um, so but just a normal back phone, of course it rings. But, of course, it is Jack calling her. And saying essentially that, hey, um, we're going to come and I think he was trying to offer or something. I don't, I don't have notes on that exactly. Yeah, I don't um, remember what he was saying at the time. But then they decide to, Jack decides to, because he knows that she's in the car, reports the car is stolen. The highway patrol tries to pull her over. She runs, car chase. There's a big car accident. Um, and in my notes, I have your... V8 can't run out, outrun my Motorola, which is one of those old sayings from the 80s um, in the car groups that essentially, yeah, the, the police don't really need to chase you because they can just radio ahead. But yep. whatever. Um, it actually was realistic. Well, not only that, the, the, well, realistic to the point of the fake rain. I mean, well. the, 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 <laughs> the water, you could see sometimes from it where it was shooting from a hose. Like it was... That was some of that. It was awful. I excuse production quality on things like that. Um, but I liked that the car chase appeared to be real. She had a car accident that didn't turn into a ball of fire. It looked like just the car went down a hill and then didn't work anymore. Car is now broken. You were in an accident. She gets up and tries to run away. True. And the cops grab her. Like that was all 100% realistic apart from that was pretty that realistic. realistic looking. Yeah. Best yes, part of the movie right was. there. Yeah. And I liked it. I, I liked the, the realism of... Yeah, you try to run from the cops and they just they just tackle you. You're done. And those those cops were also pretty fit. Like they were they were not screwing around. Um, but they grab her. And one of the last things that Alan Champion did, Doctor Champion did before getting killed, essentially, was tell her that she, he was going to call one of his buddies at the FBI that he trusted with his life and have his have this buddy come by and like take her story to help her out, essentially. So she's in jail, and an FBI officer agent shows up and springs her from jail signs all the paperwork to get her out and is like, yeah, let's go, let's go figure this out. And let's slip, let's slip something about the disc being ruined. And that's when she knows that. And again, this is back to Jack, your thing with at one point, she is a damsel in distress who's essentially helpless. And then another moment, she remembers every conversation that she's had with everybody about who she's told about the disc, which is nobody. And it's interesting. Like they're playing both sides and it doesn't work all. Yeah, They try to play both sides here. Pick one. And this part, you know, Angela Bennett, you know, recognizes that the FBI officer doesn't have her best interests in mind. Yeah. He just wants the disc. Damn that disc. Where is my um, Pascal homework? <laughs> although the, the, the fake FBI officer did have one of the better lines in the movie so far. And when referring to Jack said he has the moral conscience of a chainsaw. Which I, I, I had to write that down. That was actually a, a really good one. Um, oh, backing up a little bit, they also fingerprint her. And the current modern fingerprint time when you're querying the national databases is between 2 and 24 hours. And they've got it in 30 seconds. 
And I get that it's a plot convenience, but it's it's still frustrating. And does she kill the fake FBI agent? I missed that. She, I mean, when, she definitely. Driving, yeah. As she, when she figures out that he's full of it, she reaches over and with her left foot stomps on the gas of his car that he's driving. Oh, that's right. Because he was driving. the wheel. Yes. And grabs the wheel and basically causes him to crash conveniently into Jack. Into Jack's car. <laughs> yep. So the FBI that's officer right. is dead and Jack pulls out his gun. And yes, I don't have any other notes on this section because it was just a, a chase sequence and it was kind of confusing and I didn't really, it wasn't as believable as some of the previous things, as believable as anything is in this movie. <laughs> Do either of you have notes or feelings on this? No, my, ne- my next notes are when she gets get, gets back to her, because com- yes. she goes to the the company next. Yeah, yeah okay. Her, her, her I started writing stuff down again was when she was back at a keyboard. Yeah, so somehow she appears in L.A., and she, I wasn't quite... I didn't follow that either. So I read it as she hitchhiked in some truck that she gets out of to San Francisco from Los Angeles, which is a long run, right. but not impossible. Um, and then there's, like, there's references to Moscone Center and a couple of other streets and things, and I'm like, okay, so we have now moved the movie over to San Francisco which is honestly a reasonable tech decision to make. Um, yep. I mean, that still holds today. Yeah, yeah said, honestly. What? A computer convention at Moscone Center? Yeah, I miss Moscone. I used to go there what? relatively more frequently. Thing. Yeah. What? Oh, sorry, also, you're Steve Jobs. Okay. Yeah I, was making, making, yeah, I was making a joke about Steve but, Jobs. But although, I think one more thing didn't start until the 2000s. So. That was the tie book, I think. 2000, 2001? Anyway, I did enjoy that her method for breaking into cathedral was simply tailgating that they didn't go crazy with her somehow hacking in. And that's legit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was perfect. Hey, look, guys, here's one way of doing it. You just walk behind somebody. Yeah, I've done it before. It was fun. <laughs> and then we got to some more unrealistic. But stuff. That, yeah, well, that's when reality left. Um, my favorite bit of this whole sequence next is that she's using the Apple extended keyboard too. That was nicknamed the USS Nimitz because it was the size of an aircraft carrier. Um, it's an amazing keyboard. <laughs> Again, the keyboards in this movie were the best. Yeah. Like, they really got... It brings me back. Reminiscent. It's good. Anyway. So, she's she's back in Cathedral, her office, or her, her employer's office. And she's trying to figure out who the imposter is. And the most dubious thing so far happens that she turns on Terminal Echo remotely on her workstation <laughs> which not only captures the keystrokes that is typed into her workstation but also captures the GUI text prompts somehow so she can read it in just like line feed text on her screen A. Why would you ever build yeah. a system that does this? Yeah. B. Why would you let people turn it on? And uh, it, so many are it. Mm, this is broken. There were there was so many things yeah. here because you're the right. Tech I mean, basically, from here on out just goes out the window. Yeah, you know, the, like a central keylogger and yeah, exactly all the you know the, all the remote access stuff was just completely implausible. And she's in the office building, so now any computer gets her into her account and into uh, the gatekeeper software. That's and like, then you, and then she you know the, the the next thing is her you know enabling the fire alarm and the fire alarm is controlled by their mainframe system you know she just goes into this little UI controls everything right? and it, yeah, it gives it all great GUIs that you can you know for the time 
Yeah. That you could, she could see each point floor. and click and say, oh, I'm going to turn on this fire extinguisher. Or this one's going to, this fire, um, or this smoke detector just noticed something. It was... Uh, right. And like cutting edge live 3D graphics at that point didn't exist. And so obviously this is all just Hollywood trying to make something that looked a little flashier than somebody like logging into a system and typing a bunch of keystrokes. But it was still laughably, ridiculously, whatever. And then my next favorite bit is her super crazy who is, is working on, again, on all of these like super high end people who have put their actual real usernames, like full names, office locations into these systems and dun, dun, dun. She gets all the way up to the head of the gatekeeper company software person. And I can't remember his name because I didn't write it down because he was not interesting in any way yeah. but it was the bill gates character bill, yeah. bill i gates. really like that character because it was obviously modeled as bill gates and the empire that he ran you know the microsoft like empire that was just a security uh, uh company in in this in this movie but i thought the, the bill gates references with that character were spot on absolutely so at this point, the fire alarm essentially is over. The fire department's like, yeah, there's no fire. People start going back up. Jack shows up and talking to the imposter and is like, what the hell? You know, you should essentially you should have killed her already. Um, and Angela's sitting at the computer and sees the message come in that says essentially terminate Angela, you know, with haste. And she's like, okay, well, I guess the game is up. And she makes a copy of the disc and she runs just as the imposter realizes who she is. Now, conveniently... Their building is right next to Moscone, and there's a big computer conference going on, which becomes like the next major. Which the company's presenting at, so they've got a big display. Yeah. They got a. And all their computers hooked up there, so all of her logins will work, obviously. Um, and course. and she can access Gatekeeper and everything else. So I'm convinced that that was an actual trade show that they that they used for the movie because you can't set up that much real tech in a thing that quickly for just a movie. Um, there were banners for Apple's eWorld service that like nobody would bother replicating because it was so bad. <laughs> um, bunch of Power Macs here and there. Yeah. Oh, I bet. There was a bunch of Apple influence stuff until, here. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah they, I mean, I'm sure there was a convention going on and they probably went after hours yep. and filled it with some extras and but bam. They had a lot of extras. Like it, that was a well-staffed, well-funded like, scene. And I was kind of impressed. Like that looked legit. The that looked like a real. was good. It was legitimate. It looked like a real conference. Mm-hmm. The tech was all... Of course, at this point, uh, you know, Angela finds a computer and tries to start, you know, searching for the people that are, are attacking her or whatever. And the tech goes horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> now, the most legitimate thing that happens in the next, like, five minutes is she's trying to send an email and she's actually putting in, like, a pop server address and, like, she's actually putting in legitimate things that email protocols use. She tries to change email servers and that scene was actually pretty yeah. believable. Yeah, I was like... And, and she I, sends I mean, the email to the FBI or whatever and with a copy of the desk. But, I mean, yeah, if, and you were, the, if you were sitting down at somebody else's machine and you need to send an email fast, you would go into the email client and change all the values so that it was from <laughs> details but you know you have to have a trusted email server right yeah well also this when is back in the day that we by gateway, that, whatever this is back in the day we actually trusted email to and from addresses um yeah. the from address she put in was laughably bad but it's also not it doesn't have to be real because 
email, mail systems blindly trusted those things. So as long as it wasn't trying to get returned, you're fine. Anyway. Um, so the best part about this scene is she has two discs at this point because she's picked up the old disc that has the virus that was in the original five minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. From her now dead coworker. And she has enough time to switch out the disc that has the the gateway key with the old disc that has the virus on it. So, of course, they catch her there and they believe they've gotten her disc because it's still in the computer. Yeah, I... The, I, I mean, I get what they were trying to do, but the, I just don't understand what. Uh, well, yeah. So they sit down. The guy goes into. He gets into the gate. Reality to this. He gets into the gateway software because he's going to reverse, you know, undo her email. Essentially, he's going to do Google Gmail's, you know, don't send the email thing. And you can just log into the FBI and delete it. Yeah. Right. He's going to go into the FBI server and delete it. And he's like, I'm just going to escape out of the system or whatever. And he hits the escape key, which you know, triggered the other virus and then it ate the gatekeeper software. And so, it's like, yeah. ha- somehow yeah. the, 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 this machine at the desk in like the conference center, it getting a virus and the virus being triggered on it also then essentially destroys the quote mainframe of the most powerful software company on the planet ish sort of thing. Yeah. I had yeah. With this, a really interesting Mac slow virus. dissolve. I just had in my notes, the Mac virus magically jumps to the mainframe. Right. Well, they're both Unix, right? I mean... (laughs) It's Independence Day all over again. (laughs) It took that long to get there. (sighs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, yeah. Well, I gave it a cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, again, other unbelievable things. The best thing in in this last scene for me was Angela Bennett trying to search an IP address. And she types in search and then the four-quadded IP address. Oh, yeah. And yeah. both me and my wife saw that and were just dying on the floor laughing. Well, I think at one point they were trying, instead of saying octets, they said internet number, didn't they? At one point, it, yeah. instead of saying like octets, the internet which numbers. is the correct term. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Internet numbers or something like that. It was like, oh, oh. Well, I will, I will just cut them a little bit address. of slack. Because back in the day, like back in the 90s, people didn't know what an IP address was. And I mean, people still don't really know what like a server is, obviously, because anyway, so people not understanding the right phrase for an IP address, I cut them a little bit of slack on that. That is not like using the tech badly. It's somebody not understanding the tech. No, but it was, it was her, it was one of her, it was her character or somebody who was doing the searching said that, like, we need to look up the IP, the internet numbers, instead of saying, I'm searching the octets, which I don't even understand why you'd be searching it like that anyway. It's but it, because if you put an octet into Google, obviously you're going to get that octet's physical location, right? <laughs> right, right. Anyway, so she has destroyed the mainframe, which again, laughably bad, but whatever. Um, And now we get a little action sequence on these ridiculously wide catwalks where she has run out of the conference center and into like essentially a a raised platform over a storage room or a setup room. And there's a little gunfire and a gunplay and things going back and forth. Over storage something. But catwalks you can walk like four abreast on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just took it as over a unused convention area. Okay. Um, it was it was it was one of Moscone's huge rooms, not in use. Yeah, for me, the bigger thing was that I don't think I. I mean, I've never been. I mean, I've actually been in the Moscone Center, but I don't think I've been in any of those rooms. And uh, 
they definitely the catwalks were definitely wide and big, which I I've I've been on several catwalks before, and they have never been that size. Yeah, that, yeah, that seemed a little big enough for you to service as stage lights. Yeah, it, it seemed too convenient. Exactly. Um, so in the running around in the dark at night or in the dark inside this building, Jack kills the imposter, thinking it's um, Angela. Oops, you know, shooting in the dark, and then Angela ambushes him. And smacks him in the head with a fire extinguisher really hard, which I actually really appreciated. Um, yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. Again, was, yeah, literally clocks nice him on the side of the see... head with the fire extinguisher. Yep. It, physical violence that was close to what would happen in reality and not, you know, the guy just keeps coming at her 10 more times. Yeah, I was waiting for, at this point for a scene to have like, oh, and now the, the gatekeeper's been undone. Everything is back to the way it was, thinking nobody has backups on that scale. Like once it's been weeks or months or whatever it's been, however long it's been in place protecting stuff and like messing with the backups and the systems. Nobody keeps that kind of backup forever. Um, but thankfully they didn't actually go into the, the details of that. They just sort of gloss over it. Angela gets her house back. She's gotten her mom who has amnesia, which we forgot to mention entirely because that whole plot didn't really go anywhere or do anything that was important. Um, and Bill Gates gets, uh, sorry, the the head of the yeah, of the gatekeeper people gets arrested by the FBI, um, which was you know a fitting end to the movie, and that brings that was us fulfilling. See Bill Gates uh, 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 in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I thought was interesting with his character though is he was never shown live. Like every time he was shown, it was. On through TV? a screen on, a screen on our on our screen you know he was on the TV Ooh, that's a good point Ken. that she was watching or the, he was so never you shown. do you believe that the bill gates character was actually you took uh, uh consequences for his actions i'm not even going that far just because <laughs> who knows reality had left the building a while ago but it just as far as his character he never was I don't even want to say first person. I don't know what you would say. He was never in the shot. He was always in a recording in the shot. Yeah. I hadn't really thought well, about that. that like, what the, uh, that will be what the sequel will be used on. So this movie did well enough in the box office. It, it didn't lose money. It made small profit. Um, I think as an action thriller, it wasn't a super strong movie, but it worked. Like It was... So there were some legitimately it tense was points that were, but it worked. I yeah. enjoyed watching it again. I wouldn't so go my that wife far. Watched it w- my wife watched <laughs> my wife watched it with me, and I refrained from critiquing the tech while watching it. And she was like, "Well, it wasn't horrible." I'm not the greatest told- movie ever, but I yeah. I enjoyed it again. Yeah, you're leaving the, uh, the. I think the movie was done in such a way where you could suspend disbelief on a lot of the tech, even though it was the underlying no. plot device. No, no. for no, me, the the the, no. the the action scenes and the thriller aspect um, was kind of the more engaging part of the movie. Um, I so guess. You know, even though you know, it's the internet is the underlying plot device. Um. The movie oddly held together for me. Um, the themes of, of stolen identity are still super real today. Of how you protect your your security stance on the internet, super important today. 
And do you trust the the people in the companies that you're working with to get it done? Um, so in some ways, I still think there are a lot of valid themes here. I, I got to do a little some, I didn't have time to do the research, but the Uber firewall that's taking, that's protecting everything, but that is in reality, not protecting anything. I swear there are some newer movies using that exact theme. Or maybe it's television shows. I don't know. It just seemed like I've seen this a few times. And I also want to point out that they really nailed the the aspect of the Republican Party in power and the Republican uh, Secretary of State or, or whatever that character was. And the whole implication that they use Gatekeeper to uh, make an implication that he wasn't, uh, that he was gay. And really he had, he was married, had a wife, and nothing was wrong. But that implication drove him to commit suicide. And I thought that was, was still very telling and still relevant today. Well, the implication was that he tested positive for HIV. Yeah, that that was what they did. Is he? Had te- they said he had tested positive for HIV when it was which he didn't. Com- yeah, the computer generated test. They just had it lie, and when they did the but autopsy, the, the, nope, he wasn't positive. But Jack, you're right. The, the gay panic in the early and mid '90s, especially oh, yeah. in the Republican Party, was so strong that that wasn't like outlandish or unbelievable part of the movie. I was like, oh yeah, I mean that was a legit really crummy part of living in the U S in the nineties and in the eighties that people acted that way. And what really grabs me is that fear is still a part of society and we're still grappling with that today. And it It is, but it's less that, you know, was fun part of the nineties. We have been taught to fear and panic about other things. um, But thankfully at least the HIV scare and the gay panic stuff has died down somewhat from its fervor in the early nineties. So I, I mostly agree, Jack. It, it was an engaging, you know, action thriller kind of suspense movie. Parts of it were kind of weak and slow, just in terms of like the, the pacing and the plot. But it wasn't terribly acted. I thought, um, I thought she did a great job the in, in the main good. role. Yeah, the music was actually Sandra pretty Bullock good was as well. Always a strong actress. Um, but the tech to me was so distractingly bad that it really made me unable to enjoy parts of the movie that I think I would have, if I either didn't know the tech or I was able to convince myself to not care, I think I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more. The last several scenes were hard to to get through because of the tech issues. Um, But for me, most of the movie, I could suspend disbelief that Hollywood was dressing up, you know, the tech a bit. And I just couldn't get there. I could not suspend disbelief. Uh, and it, I just, I was still, after certain tech scenes were gone, I was still fuming about them. And then when, you know, I just couldn't, I just, I just couldn't do it. And so, um, I mean, I agreed. I well acted, especially Sandra Bullock's character. Um, but just overall, I just could not suspend disbelief. And it was just so painful that they just couldn't even take, like, talk to somebody and they'd be like, well, instead of saying this, maybe say this. And then it would at least be, you know, we're to the point where you can say that's not real, but you know what? They're trying to make a movie. I can, I'll accept it. But they didn't even try that. It was just some of those, some parts are just so, so beyond belief. I just couldn't, just couldn't do it. Yeah. It was, to me, it looked obvious that they had somebody someplace with a little tech background 
because I mean they said Telnet someplace. They you know there were some things that were like somebody knew something to type to have that, but then it's you so wrong. Or maybe maybe it was the ultimate troll movie. Maybe maybe somebody who knows tech well <laughs> I'm gonna, said, you know what, I'm going to make it so horrible that I'm people mess are with just. People. Yeah, no, that, that's hackers. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah. And if we do more of these, if we do more of these movie episodes, Hackers is on the list to look at. Because, um, again, it is purporting itself to be, it is very stylized, it is very wild, it is very crazy. But the tech in that is so egregiously bad oh that... I, had, I hadn't seen the net in a long time. And so I actually, I enjoy, I was somewhat enjoying it because I didn't remember anything. And so I was getting to watch it as a, as a movie as well. And, and I did enjoy it. It wasn't, I didn't come away going, oh my God, I just wasted two hours of my life. I, I, the tech is horrible, but there's, there's a decent suspenseful movie in there. Hackers just hurts. And I will admit, even before we do the episode, that as much as Hackers is not a good movie, I kind of like it. It's fun. I will watch And that it. wraps it up for this episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Ken Mink. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. Hey, this is Unix. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there too.